Hello, and welcome to the Idaho Reports podcast. I'm Logan Finney. Today, I'm joined by Representative Dustin Manwaring of Pocatello to discuss a bill that he sponsored this session that was recently signed into law this week. Thanks for joining me, Representative. It's good to be here. Thanks, Logan. So, Representative Manwaring, you sponsored the Digital Assets Act, which the legislature passed with pretty broad support and was signed into law on Monday by the governor. In basic terms, what does this new law do for Idaho? Well, it just defines in Idaho what a digital asset is at the, at the most basic level. And we intentionally tried to come up with a broad definition of a digital asset. Digital assets, obviously, people talk about those in terms of cryptocurrencies. And, and now we have things that are digital artwork and, and various other types of forms of digital assets. And we can talk about those other forms. But at the most basic level, what this bill does is says in Idaho, a digital asset is a personal property right. And so we just lay that foundational framework um, so in the future we can define how these things are treated under the law. And you referenced um, digital currencies like cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin, those type of things. But what are what are some other examples of digital assets that people might be more familiar with? Yeah, well, it, at the most basic level, you can think of things that you have a password to. So if you have an app on your phone, if you have a website that you might own, I mean, in some form, these are digital assets. What, whether they have value or not, I guess, is, the, is the, the really the fundamental question, um, whether it is anything worth, worth value for a property, right? right? I mean, if there's no value there, it still is yours. You, you might give it value, but in commerce, it may or may not have value. And so really at the heart of this bill are those, those types of digital assets that you have access to through usually in some form of password or encryption key um, that unlocks that. And, and usually those assets right now, right, right now, the popular ones are people that are buying and selling different types of cryptocurrencies, um, storing different types of artwork online. Those are the most popular ones that people know, but I want people to understand that this really covers anything that can be stored in an electronic format password protected, and usually has some form of encryption associated with it. So would it be fair to compare this to, say, like if a person went to a brick and mortar bookstore and purchased a book versus going online and buying like a digital copy of an ebook? Is this basically just saying that under Idaho law, your ownership of those two different formats are treated the same? Yeah, I mean, I think this provides clarification in that scenario. I mean, I don't think there's been really a a problem with people recognizing ownership of those electronic, like if you own a digital copy of a movie or whatever. Um, but but there, there but there could be in the future, right? That as these values maybe change with these types of assets. The other example maybe to think of that maybe make makes this more relevant. Um, you can think of a a gift card or a digital gift card, right? So. Now the technology is available to create, you know, unique, a unique, what we call a unique token. Um, and it could be an Idaho coin or a Boise State coin or whatever. And it could be, you know, that type of that type of asset. If, if some entity wanted to create that and, and distribute those and have them password protected for the users that had them, you know, that's what we're saying is that that would be your personal property, right? So it's laying kind of groundwork around virtual currency, which in the bill it says virtual currency is defined as a digital asset that's used as a medium of exchange or a unit of account or a store of value. So it's laying the groundwork here. Um, what have what have other states been doing in, in this arena? Are you familiar? 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's really a hodgepodge patchwork of what, where the states are going with this because there's so many rabbit holes and this is so new. Some states are focusing on um, mining operations for cryptocurrencies. Some states like Wyoming are focusing on the banking side more. What they've done is is, is created a new type of financial institution, a state-backed financial institution, a special depository institution that basically can have direct access to the Fed for exchanging um, digital assets, you know, on, on and off between cash and these digital assets, the conversion between these two and servicing sort of the, 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 the online transactions or the online um, places that allow people to buy and sell this stuff. So they're trying to cater to that environment and get direct fat, Fed access that only the big, several of the big banks have right now. And then some other states are focused just sort of um, on defining, clarifying some of the definitions like we have done this year. Um, so it's it's sort of all over the place. And then some some places are just focused on trying to create a deregulated environment so that people can innovate and attract business into their state. So attract anybody that's in this space, um, creating these types of technologies to come into their state and invest there. So that everything from incentive programs, um, to just having sort of an application where you could just apply to be exempted from some regulatory burden for a period of time so you could innovate. So some states have been focused on that. And um, it's all, it's sort of all over the place, but it's coming together rapidly. And this will be a area of the law. It's completely new. And that's what's been fun about it. It's completely new. And I think for the next foreseeable future, probably into several decades, we'll be tweaking these laws probably annually. And you've been working on this for a couple of years now. I remember last year you introduced some some versions of digital asset bills. Um, what is different from your original take on on this topic versus what is actually passed into law this year? Yeah, well, the original take was, and we modeled it after what Wyoming had done, a couple of the bills that they had passed. And and originally there was some some additional. Um, creation of giving the Department of Finance in Idaho some regulatory authority. Basically, we were trying to make make sure that banks or financial institutions in our state could custody, take custody of these digital assets locally, and then have some consumer protection mechanism built into it. So the Department of Finance would be that one. And also um, give the Department of Finance some sort of uh, ability to go and protect consumers in Idaho with regard to some of these exchanges that people are investing their assets in. So that's like a Coinbase or a, a Robinhood or something like that. If you had some sort of account like that right now, there's really no authority for the state of Idaho to go on and, and protect, protect the consumer if something happens with those, with those, with those platforms. So that's what, that's what it was originally. What we did this time is we just, we, we really paired it back to definitions um, for this session and the bill that was passed we didn't have anything regulatory in here at all. Um, so it doesn't change how, and it didn't before, but, but just to clarify, this doesn't, this doesn't change how um, digital assets are taxed or not. Um, people usually ask that question, does this, make, does this make it so now I have to pay taxes on, on my digital assets? And the answer is no. The IRS has clarified that for a couple of years now, right? So you'd pay capital gains on on any 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 gain you have with that and, or take any loss. And that's been clarified. So this doesn't this doesn't do have anything to do with anything regulatory or tax wise in the state. 
And what sort of working group did you pull together to work on this? Was it just you in a room by yourself working off the Wyoming legislation, or was this a broad group of people? What sort of interests were were at work here? No, I mean, I tried to pull in a good group. And we, we introduced it last last year, those couple of bills that I'd talked about, and pulled in a pretty good group over the summer. We put together uh, uh, basically a financial technology working group, and we we invited and had participate um, the banks and credit unions in Idaho. We had the Idaho Technology Council. We had Boise State University, the, several representatives from the De- Idaho Department of Finance, representative from the governor's office, um, Representative Dixon and, and Senator Riggs and myself. And we had a course of meetings, uh, four or five meetings over the summer and into the fall, getting trying to get some consensus on where we want to go and how we want to approach digital assets in Idaho. And clearly you were able to arrive at some sort of consensus. The bill passed with really strong support, over 60 representatives in favor. I believe it was near unanimous in the Senate. Um, What sort of conversations did you have with your fellow lawmakers? Yeah, well, we came a long ways from last year. I mean, it yeah, well, let me just put it this way. I mean, we there there are some, and I won't name names for obvious reasons, but there are some some of my colleagues that um, are even scared to use a debit card, right? So when you're talking about you're talking about a couple of people, or just the the new technology sometimes can be scary, right? And and so the question is, and and you can see that in the governor's transmittal letter. When he talks about you know the use of cryptocurrency for illicit transactions and stuff like that, it's just the initial concern of is this really uh, where are, are we taking a step too fast too soon for Idaho? We're creating a dangerous path here, or, or what are we dealing with? And and so that was the concern that we've been really trying to trying to address is saying, hey, this isn't just about cryptocurrency, and frankly, this isn't about sanctioning cryptocurrency in Idaho at all. And we're not, we're not picking any winners and losers. We're not saying Bitcoin is the best or, or not, even though some of us hold certain opinions, right, about that. But all this says is if you do have those, if you do have those digital assets, it's a personal property right. And so when we focused on that in the legislature with, with my colleagues, they, they're receptive to that, receptive to saying, hey, this should be protected. If you own this, you sh- you should be your right, and there shouldn't be gov- government interference with that personal property. Yeah, you referenced Governor Little's um, transmittal letter, which, as I re- we referenced earlier in the show, he did sign the bill into law, um, but not without some hesitations. I'll I'll read that little section that you referenced. He said that. Uh, While House Bill 583 appears to be a simple bill that incorporates a series of definitions, uh, many view this piece of legislation as a first step to bring digital assets such as cryptocurrency into the mainstream of financial transactions. Uh, And then he expresses concern that cryptocurrency is involved in illicit activity like human trafficking, drug trafficking, and things like that. So definitely this, this new technology has concerns with it. So you, you think the state of Idaho has a role in um, how the technology moves forward, or is this just ensuring kind of those base property rights? It's the base property rights. And I, and I sort of just take issue with the premise um, there. And, and frankly, it's just, it's still a misunderstanding about what we're doing here. And this is, this is not the state of Idaho trying to encourage cryptocurrency or trying to create a currency and saying that we're doing something that um, 
you know, is different than the than the U.S. dollar that the states the states going to sanction in our, in, in Idaho. That that is not what we're doing. It's actually the opposite. We're saying there there is this technology that exists, and there are it's a two trillion dollar asset class. Um, several many thousands of Idahoans currently own these assets. And what we're saying is we want to protect those assets. We're not, we're not saying that it needs to be recognized by the state of Idaho as a currency um, or used as a currency, but people, people may do this and are doing it regardless of what the state and federal government do. And the whole, the whole point and why I think it's been popular over the last decade is because with blockchain technology, there, there, there isn't really, a, there isn't a way for government to interfere in that, in that transaction. And so um, regardless of if government gets involved or not, you know, this, this activity online and, and peer to peer transacting business with each other and these stores, these different stores of value are going to exist. And so in Idaho, we can say, we can encourage the innovation. We can encourage um, those stores of values with, with individuals or we can sit back and it can happen on its own. But I think there are ways that we can participate and protect those rights. This is just the first step. And we've said, I've, I've sort of outlined that a little bit, but um, I wanna make sure that in Idaho, we have the ability to do business with whatever stores of value people have, right? So if, if I have a digital asset and there is some some worth to that asset, I would like to be able to do a couple of things. I would be able to like to go into my local financial institution and have them protect that for me. I want to know that inside the boundaries of Idaho, what my rights are with that, and they can they can custody that asset for me. And, and potentially, I think it's important that we are able to enable uses in commerce. So whether that's peer-to-peer um, without government interference or um, our financial institutions understand how it's defined under state law so that they can use it if I want to use it as collateral for a loan, um, that we've enabled that in our state. And so this is not about um, illicit activity. There's, there's a lot more illicit activity with dollars um, than there are with digital assets, in my opinion, and and frankly, with blockchain technology, it's all public. You can you can usually trace trace those transactions and that illicit activity if it exists. And so that's just you know I think that's a little bit of a misnomer, but it takes a long time. It takes at least a, a, several hours, if not longer, to really get up to speed on on some of this stuff. Um, but I'm glad to see that we were able to be successful with House Bill 583, and we'll, we'll work hard going forward to make sure uh, there's a good understanding with, le- with the legislature, with the governor, about where we're headed with this going forward. Yeah, it's an emerging technology, a whole new financial space. It'll be very interesting to follow moving forward. Representative Dustin Manwaring from District 29 in Pocatello, thanks so much for your time today. Thanks, I appreciate it. Presentation of Idaho Reports on Idaho Public Television is made possible through the generous support of the Laura Moore Cunningham Foundation, committed to fulfilling the Moore and Bettis family legacy of building the great state of Idaho. By the Friends of Idaho Public Television and by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Hi, I'm Marcia Franklin, the producer and host of Dialogue. For more than 25 years, we've been bringing you conversations that matter. More than 150 of those conversations are with writers, and now you can take them with you wherever you go, while you're walking, around the house, or in the car. 
Just search for Dialogue with Marsha Franklin on Apple Podcasts and other podcast platforms. And remember to subscribe so that new shows download automatically. Enjoy.